Hello, welcome to Talking Usework. My name is Rui Branco and together with Anita Silva, we bring you a podcast where we interview usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends, or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can news workers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to one more episode of the Talking Youth Work podcast. This podcast is also supported by the EduLabs project. Today we talked with Paul Klosterman and you might have heard about him or met him as he is a well-known youth worker, youth work supporter, author. He wrote many of the publications we learn from and we use in our activities. Paul told us about self-directed learning. I know this is a topic that he's very passionate about. And he mentions how it is actually a political stance to tell people you have the right to learn as you want and as you need. That shouldn't be imposed, even if it's imposed with a game or in a fun way. It should be a choice. So we talked about what are the challenges involved in implementing self-directed learning educational programs, let's say, and what are the benefits, what people get out of it. We talked a little bit about our experience in the training of trainers, where we use a lot of this approach of self-directed learning. So we hope that this is useful, that it's triggering, that inspires you to give more freedom to your learners to learn and to create the learning spaces they want and need. And let's keep talking youth work. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Where at least where I am is a good morning still. Um, today we are talking with Paul Klusterman. He is a very known uh, trainer, consultant, author in the field of European youth work and beyond, I would say. And of course, I'm here with Rui. Good morning, Rui. Hello, Paul. Hello, Anita. Good morning. Good morning, Paul. So good to have you finally. Um, we've been uh, wanting to invite you for a while now. It's a, it's an honor to be here, Anita. <laughs> I've listened to the podcast a lot. No, I didn't listen to all of them, but quite some anyway. So, good to know. And you're also talking, I know podcasts nowadays exactly about learning, which is the topic uh, we're we're talking today. So, but we'll go to that because I think that project might also be a good resource for listeners. But first, I wanted to ask you a little bit of your background. How did you end up in youth work? How did you end up uh, in this field? Well, um, but we have to be careful because that could be a very long story. Um, but, uh, uh, well, let's not start from my teenage uh, years, but at a certain moment I became a youth worker. I studied youth work uh, in, in the Netherlands. I was living in the Netherlands at that moment. Uh, well, I lived there for a long time. And then um, uh, I, I became a youth worker and uh, for quite some years. And then at a certain moment, I became a consultant in youth work. In the Netherlands, you have provinces. Uh, and one of these provinces, I was driving around in my car, uh, supporting young people, supporting 
uh, youth workers, volunteers, um, local local um, policy makers in youth work. And then slowly I started to do uh, international project. There was this, this cooperation between the Netherlands and Germany. And then at a certain moment, um, I was doing something with developing of working with boys and young men. And then we found out there was something in, in, in the UK. And then I found out there was a national agency of a program then called Use for Europe, I think. Um, uh, and um, and then I slowly got into that and did a training course. And, um, and then at a certain moment, I left my job and I became a freelance trainer. And, uh, and, and that, that's what I did for a long, long, long time. Okay. And on that process, I, I, I think you've worked with a lot of different methodologies, with a lot of different approaches to uh, non-formal education. So what I, I'm curious about is how do you think that transformed over time? How, how do you think that your idea about non-formal education, about learning, evolved over time? How did that evolve? Um, it's, it's, it, it changed. It, well, it changed every... When 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 I left the, the, my education for for youth work at that time, it's a long time ago. That was in the in the seventies of the last century. Uh, then, an education for youth work was very much youth work was then very much political. It was very much about uh, changing the world, uh, bringing young kids together, taking over the factories they were working in. The, we had enormous ideas um, uh, with Paulo Freire on the background. And then we had this German um, people from the trade union there. They had, they had a lot of ideas about youth work. Helga Deppe and Oscar Necht. I don't think we speak about them anymore. But anyway, it was all very political. So we thought if we leave leave school, our youth work school, we go into the field and we will change the world. Um, well, then, then when starting to work as a youth worker, it turned out that Maybe it was more important how to uh, organize a good activity, how to organize um, a disco night where there would be enough people, how to um, book a band that would play, how to do nice creative things. with. So then it changed a bit. Um, and well, but that goes already a little bit into, into learning. Then for me, more and more, I became aware of what young people could get out of of use work what 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 in, yeah i would say important things young people could learn into use work so slowly i i, I focused yeah I, I got more and more interested in the possibilities to learn and then how could you as a use worker how could you facilitate that how could you have a role in that and that 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 is, I find it a very interesting road uh, pathway, which um, which I'm still on. Where I'm still, I'm very passionate about this 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 topic of how, how can how can you help people to learn, and what kind of role do you need to have there? And that well, that plays a role in youth work, but also of course in the training courses that I did with youth workers and trainers, and. Um, 
So, and 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 by the way, also being very aware still uh, uh, of the political dimension of youth work, I still think that that is an important one. I, I, I think over the years it disappeared. It's co- coming back now again when you talk about value-based learning, about human rights education. So I'm very happy also about that. Um, uh, yeah, and it, for me that, that that that's the two pillars in a way, which where my um, passion goes when it comes to to youth work. And when you when you're talking about learning. I know that I know I know of your passion on on learning, and I know you're a big advocate of this this concept of self-directed learning, which which I would love to explore today. And it's not it's not the most common um, concept in learning um, nowadays. It's a lot more talked about, but I think a few years back it was kind of a new thing, and I think for many people it might still be kind of a new thing in terms of how you implement it. So, I mean, for, for those who are listening, how would you define self-directed learning? Well, the, I think the most simple way to define it is um, um, the belief of, the belief is, yeah, maybe it's the right word, the belief that um, that people have the, the right uh, to decide about their, their learning, about what they learn, how they learn, when they learn, and that that is a kind of I didn't come up with that. Uh, John John Heron, who wrote the Complete Facilitator's Handbook, he is somewhere he writes in that book that it should be a human right. It should be one of the human rights that you that you have the right to to learn and that you have the right to decide about your own learning. Um, self-directed learning, I think, is a lot about the belief that people. That makes us different from 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 dogs and goats and cats is that we uh, we always want to learn. That's why we that's why we develop as human beings, and that that's very much into human beings the the, the wish to learn, and um, and well, then we constructed um, a very strange phenomena which we call schools, and there we put all this learning and. Um, uh, but well, if if you would look now again, or when you don't know anything about the concept of learning, and you would think about how could we create something where young people could learn, where young people, uh, yeah, could learn uh, between let's say six and twenty years, I think you would never come up with a system where you put kids together in groups between 25 and 40, all the same age, put them at 9 o'clock or 8.30 in the morning, first 50 minutes in biology, then 50 minutes in in history, then in 50 minutes in language classes, and and you would have them sit, sit down on a chair all day. I think you would never do it. You would think that would be a ridiculous system. Still, we have that. So, uh, I think... That de- that defines so much how we think about learning, uh, and but I think at the same time, learning uh, it, it defines learning as something difficult, as something you should do, as something that is defined by others how you sh- how and when and what you should learn, and um, I think the belief from where self-directed learning is coming from is that. Um, 
that we all want to learn and that we know very well what to learn and how to learn and that we have very different ways of learning and that um, to, to celebrate learning in a way more than to make it something very difficult and 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 and, and um, so it's 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 giving trust to learners that they want and can learn. And then that has a lot of consequences for the role of a teacher, a trainer, a use worker. Um, if you think in that way, it is, I think that, that's the basic thinking behind the self-directed learning. It, it's a other way of looking at learning. And, and don't you think, Paul, that maybe some people that are hearing us are thinking, well, that's what we do in non-formal education, by definition. We already do that. Everybody's just doing that naturally. Um, and as a default, it, it is what we do in non-formal education already, um, whatever we do there. Well, I think, anyway, non-formal education is much closer to, 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 um, to self-directed learning uh, than, than, than most schools are. I mean, there are also terrific schools and terrific teachers who do who work in this way, but it, it's only a very small uh, percentage. But no, it, it, so in non-formal education, it gives much more opportunities to do that. But I think uh, when, when it comes to self-directed learning, we are always, we, we are mostly talking about the challenges that are there for learners, which are there, um, uh, of course. But I think the biggest challenge and that goes for teachers and that goes for trainers, but also goes for use workers, is how, what is your role as a, as a use worker? What is your, um, uh, what is your role as a trainer? And that is, um, that is not, that's a big step to make. Because if you really want to be um, consequent on, 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 on the thinking, then uh, I think the problem is a little bit that we all use workers, trainers with the best intentions, because that's why we got often into this field, is that we want to, that we know very well how to deal with young people, how to organize activities for them. We care about people. We want, we want to take care of, about people. We want to help them to make steps forwards. So all very good intentions. But it has very much the risk that uh, we make a wonderful program for young people and uh, we come up with wonderful solutions for young people. And then we are very close. If you think about self-directed learning, the focus should be with with the learner and not with the with the use worker or the trainer or with the teacher. And um, and. For me, I look personally in, in my development as a trainer, um, I found that very hard. I found it very hard to, in a way, to stay, take steps back and to let go. To, to, I mean, you want a good training course, so you want to have a good program. So you, you, you prepare a good program with wonderful activities and with a wonderful space and uh and you you prepare that. It means that you organize a very good training course, um, but you are still in, in the middle. You are the center. You are responsible for the program, which and which is difficult because you want to do a good program. To let go is 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 um 
is a difficult step. In my experience, I'm always amazed if you let go, how much happens with the group. If you if you have the let's say courage almost to say, okay, I give it I give it to the participants, I give it to the young people and, and, and let let them take it. And then of course you have to allow that that people make mistakes. But I mean in our field that's um, it's already a trend that making mistakes is very good. No, so we we are in many ways very close to it, I think, but it 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 needs to go on reflecting to on, on what is your role and how much do you really give responsibility? You can easily say, "I um, uh, yes, uh, learners are responsible for their learning, but they can only take that responsibility if you really give it to them. If you have a totally full program of all kinds of nice activities, then probably young people will have a nice time, but you don't give the responsibility to them. And that that's um, what? That's that's big, a big step. Uh, uh, I want to ask you, maybe it's a a bit provocative question, but uh, the the first time I heard the concept self-directed learning, my thoughts were, isn't all learning self-directed? Because teaching is an outside process. Learning is always an inside process. So the way I learn is very personal. So could you please talk a, a little bit about, because the way I learn is very personal and it's not something that someone can do to me. So what's the role of facilitating self-directed something that it's mine? Oh, I, I think you're very right. If, 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 uh, that your learning is your learning. But um, then you also need to have the possibility to create your own learning, to, 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 um, to give it a shape. Um, and, um, so I think a lot of teaching doesn't necessarily lead to learning. Uh, so, um, because then you have to follow the track of learning that is set out by somebody else. I think we need to learn, um, um, as learners, how to create our own learning and how to, and, and there you need help. So, and I think that's much more the role of a, a, a youth worker or a trainer is to, to ask the right questions or, or, or anyway, good questions, uh, to, 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 but to also to point out resources, to point out different ways uh, where people can create their own learning path. And that, because that's challenging. Also, because we didn't learn that in in our school system, because then it was set out by others, and um, you had to follow somebody. Now you have to create your own path, and but then you can really learn in your own way. You know? And um, yeah, it's I don't know if that discovery. answers your question, isn't it? Say, guided discovery. Yeah. Well, oh God, yeah, I would say facilitated discovery. <laughs> Okay. No, but it's, it's, I don't know if you, yeah, well, it's a little bit about words, but, <laughs> okay. but yeah. And I mean, for, I, th I think we're talking in very abstract terms, but in practice, what does this mean? I mean, does it mean we don't have a program and people make their program? 
Does it mean that, um, you know, we, we just tell people to, to discover that topic or to choose their own topic? So what does it mean in practice for a facilitator um, to actually foster self-directed learning within, for example, the international context or the local uh, European context in which we work, where people normally have programs, have aims, have objectives, da da da. How does it work that that we facilitate self-directed learning in this context for you? Yeah, not to be. I would first say to, to, to take steps back. I think that, that that's a very important thing. But of course, that, that that's not very practical. No, but uh, no. If, when we talk about, for instance, a training course. Of course, I don't think it's it, it, it's it's um, it, it's wrong to have a topic for a training course. I don't think um, um, it's um, uh, I don't think we, that there should not be any program at all. I, I know in the 60s or 70s of the last century, you had that kind of training courses where people came together and then with the trainer in the middle and the trainer would not say a word and then just wait for something to happen. Well, I, think I think that's a little bit challenging. Um, no, but first of all, I would. If, I think the thing we miss a lot in training courses, in use work, in in schools, is talking about learning. Mm. Uh, we focus always immediately on the topic, but I think the most important thing to 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 focus on is. Learning. How do I want to learn? How do we want to learn? How do we want to learn together? So, in a training course, but also in a use exchange or any um, uh, activity, educational activity uh, with people, I think you to put the focus on learning and to to create together with uh, young people, with participants in training courses, to create. Um, uh, a climate, a social climate, a learning climate, a learning environment together, in, in where where people where people are invited, where people are motivated, stimulated to learn and to, and to create it together and to talk about different ways of learning and to look back on how they learn until now. I think that is a very important point. And to and to be also clear as um, as a youth worker or as a trainer about how do you see your role. I'm not where well, you also explain I'm not teaching you I want I'm here as a facilitator I think uh which will be new for for, for a lot of young people or a lot of, of participants in training courses uh but you have to be very explicit about it and 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 to 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 explain also why uh why you take that role and which roles you also don't want to take and I think that, as such, is 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 an important starting point. I, I find it always amazing that a school year in in a school doesn't start with that. No, that would be so good to get kids together and to talk together about learning. We are going to learn for for one year now till the next summer holiday, but we don't talk about learning. And I think also in in non-formal education, we should talk more about learning and i think that should also be our expertise as use workers hmm. it's 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 good if you can make all kind of nice activities but your expertise is facilitating learning that's our that's our thing that's our thing as trainers it's wonderful if you can make all these programs no but your 
real expertise is facilitating learning. I don't know if I answered any question because I don't know what <laughs> question you asked. Uh, uh, I'm just talking. Uh, uh, I, I have some reflections slash question because I was listening to you and I was the words that were coming out for me was a safe space to learn uh, because you were and another thing that was coming up was the exploring curi the curiosity of the of the learner because usually we don't engage in asking what do you want to learn usually we, I have a uh, I want to teach you something and you should learn it and another thing that i was listening to i was uh, well if you could talk a little bit about the discomfort of the the facilitator and the learner of not knowing because i mm -hmm. think that's the main question and learning has to, a lot to deal with the discomforting discomfort of not knowing maybe exactly. the next step or why should i learn this it's not knowing that i feel it's the discomfort in this situation no, I, I, I think that, that is a very essential thing, what you're talking about, this discomfort but, um, of not um, not knowing what the next day or the next step will be. And uh, um, uh, because, of course, we are used to having a program where you know step by step uh, what you're going to do as well. The trainer or youth worker or the, or the participant knows uh, and you inform them about it. What are the steps? I mean, you have you, you have wonderful training programs um, uh, where you have the six steps to intercultural learning, or you need at least. So then, then in in six steps, you know it all. Uh, and, uh, you need at least five steps, not more than twelve, because then people can get to think it's too difficult. And that, of course, is totally nonsense. But we are that, that that sounds safe, no? There are some steps it, it, it's clear, and then I'm I'm intercultural competent. Um, so that, but if if you if, if if you recognize the fact that people will all are in the beginning of a course or in the beginning of a project, all on different levels or different experiences, um, and people also have very different needs. On what they want to learn when you have a project about uh, about project management a training course about project management then you will have people who have a lot of experience there other people don't have that at all and have other needs but with other experiences so people have a very different background and a very different needs so then to facilitate that people still all can learn about project management, that they can learn from each other. I think that that's a very important thing now, that, 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 that this peer learning is organized. And for that, uh, you need, um, um, you need, especially in the beginning, uh, you, you have some discomfort because then people have to think, what is it again that I want to learn? What am I my expectation? What is it that I need? And, but then, it helps so much when there is a, a climate in a group, so that, that has to be worked on. Um, and it has to be also clear for participants, yes, we need a good climate, that they also understand that and that you talk about it, in which they can help each other, in which they can... Um, um, uh, in which they can support each other, where they can ask questions to each other. Um, 
and then you get a learning environment, an environment where you can 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 ask questions, but where you can be stupid also, where 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 you can make mistakes, where you can try out things, where you can have fun. Uh, um, I think if if you if you manage in a group to have that kind of climate, then it's wonderful. <laughs> then things happen, and then you don't know what happened happens because it can go all kinds of ways but people will learn and people will learn all kind of different things and uh, and of course that as well for the youth work trainer as for the young person the participant in the training course it's it's there are challenging moments because then you think because it, it, it needs it needs a lot of a lot of um it needs different things it needs you to be able to connect to other people to ask for help to to uh uh, yeah, so it's challenging, but yeah. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to pick that up because in the training of trainers, we uh, use a lot of self-directed learning. The whole design of the training is based on self-directed learning. And we know that uh, we have even experienced trainers coming in and many times feeling very lost with the, with the concept. And I, I wanted I wanted to bring one of the questions that I think we we hear the most in in thought. Um, well, it's maybe not one of the the ones we hear the most, but it's I think an attitude that comes out on on from some participants, which is, but yeah, but how can I know what I don't know? You know, how can I choose to learn something if I don't know it? How? So, for my my question is. How do you think we can create an environment that is there is a lot of this free self-directed learning, but there's still exposure to things that I can be curious about? How do we work out this balance that it's not emptiness? You know, okay, we will discover something, but there is actually um, exposure to the topics that I don't know, to the things, to, to my blind spots, to new knowledge or skills that I am not aware that I need to know. If maybe I'm not being clear now. <laughs> maybe I, I was now too much till now on, on the role of only stepping back as a trainer or a youth worker. I think you should also sometimes step forward. Um, um, and but you have to be careful about that. But but I think you also have to challenge participants, uh, mm -hmm. and that can be by asking very critical questions. Um, and 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 well, not only you as a trainer or a youth worker, but also to because safety in a group is is often seen as that you're all very nice to each other and that you all recognize how much you uh, like the same music in the, 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 the well. Then. <laughs> but a real safe environment also invites to discuss and to to be critical. That, that, I think that's a. That that is the kind of safety you need, but um, that's not what you were asking. But I think sometimes it's also good to think. Ah, but I think now um, it might be good to do an input. I don't think in self-directed learning inputs are forbidden. Still, it depends on how you do the input. If you if you bring your input as the truth, the holy truth, uh, then uh, I don't think that exists anyway. But to do an input where you ask interesting questions, where you don't come up so much with all kind of answers, but where you, uh, uh, yeah, where you challenge participants to 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 think a little bit further, and 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 then you also have to be aware of the fact that maybe that doesn't go for all participants, and uh, not all participants are interested in that. But that shouldn't stop you from 
uh, also bringing something in. Mm. Uh, but it's something else. I, if, if we were talking about the training of trainers, um, uh, I did that for a long time. And 20 years ago when we did that, uh, in the team there was there was a list of things that the participants should learn by the end of the year. And it was a whole list that is what they all should learn. So there we gave very different inputs because we knew, I don't know from where, but we knew the answers to all the questions. And we gave them in in the whole year, we gave them all, all these answers. Well, I think that's not the right way. Um, um, but I think still it's, 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 it's valuable to, to give an input, given an opinion, as long as as you also are very clear. Well, tell me my opinion. Don't make it. Uh, um, it's it, well, like I said, it's not the, the the whole truth. It's it's only my truth for the moment. So I think we've you, you're talking a lot about important, already important advice for whoever wants to implement or wants to move their facilitation approach, let's say, to learning into a more self-directed uh, approach. Um, and, and I heard you just talking about this, you know, finding this, finding this balance between, yes, bringing topics that maybe expose participants to a uh, new reality or a new perspective uh, without uh, making it the truth, the, um, the solution, the recipe that fits everywhere, but always fostering this critical thinking, even about the content that you that you're bringing. What other what other advice would you give to people that want to um, move their facilitation from you know one activity after the other one, one game, one exercise, and debriefing after the other one to a more self-directed approach? What would be your advice? Well, I think it, 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 it's, it's all the time thinking about what are learning opportunities here. Um, um, we talk now a lot, a lot about training, but then maybe also to look more at, at youth work. Um, uh, and I know it's also difficult because uh, uh, for your money, it's uh, as a youth center, it's important that you have enough young people coming in. So you, you have this kind of push to organize activities where the groups are full, where there are a lot of visitors coming. But I think that in a youth center or yeah, youth groups, to look all the time uh, at what could be what could be learning opportunities. How could I give over things to, to young people? How could I much more uh, um, uh, be in a position where I, I'm, I'm more looking and asking for, for needs that young people have and then step into the role of helping them to organize those activities, to make them true. It, 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 it's a way of thinking. You know? it, it, it's it's um, um, like I said in the beginning, which, which is very much maybe against... Uh, how you first stepped into use were being happy to organize all kinds of activities, but well, taking that other role. Uh, um, and that goes for so many things that, that, that goes, I mean, it, it, of course there are in our field, a lot of use workers who do wonderful use exchanges. Um, but well, how much 
how much are these the use exchanges? Because the use exchanges that that exist in in, in training that, that that start in training courses because you you meet other use workers and it, it becomes something of use workers who organize it and then they look for young people to 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 um, to join the activity. Well, uh, and, and and it's often wonderful experience, but still, I think if you if if you can make it like that, that young people are the ones who organize the activity and um um uh, and, and 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 then there are so many things to to arrange um the travel the insurance and that's of course the, the, you take a risk if you if, if if it's much easier if you do it yourself but uh well let them make the mistakes and and be there if they need it but um it, it, it's more a way of thinking, I think. Yeah, but but I was listening and I was thinking uh, uh, the the father in me and also the also thinking of people that provide the funding. If you 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 go there and say, "Oh, I'm going to create an activity where young people do what they want," I think it's not the easiest pitch to get the money. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Yeah, but it's strange, you know. If you look to um, to um, <clears throat> to policies of of, of 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 the European Commission and and what what they write themselves about learning to learn, um, um, they are very progressive. They're very um, in a, they, because learning to learn and self direct learning is very close to each other. So in a way, they promote it. Uh, but if you bring it then into practice, then then you come to those kind of discussions. So I think it's also very important to keep that discussion going with with, with people who who who, who, uh, who are responsible for for um, for supporting for for, for about the money in which goes to what project. I think it also it also needs from us very clear explanation. I mean. Like Anita said, uh, uh, the, the training of trainers is very much based on self-directed learning, and is 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 uh, is almost an institute in the program as a training course. So it's recognised anyway, anyway by by many national agencies in the program. Is recognised by yeah, is recognised as a, as as a good training course. So, I mean, you have to prove yourself a little bit more, maybe, um, and you have to be clear why you do it and, and how how it also connects. To the strategies of 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 the European Commission themselves, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, I know there is there there, there is a it, it's not always that easy that 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 um, uh, but you, yeah, you need to find the words <laughs> to explain it. And I think that uh, it's not finding just the words; it's finding strategies as well. I think now that that you mentioned the thought again, in thought we use self-directed learning, but we don't have a program where we are in plenary all the time. We have a program where uh, we have individual mentoring throughout the whole learning, which is exactly there to support this individual recovery search. Uh, And we have a lot of activities where there is not one input or one facilitator organizing a game. There's like seven options and people can choose what they want. And we have a lot of support groups, all different kinds of groups. So it's also, you have to explain what you're doing, but it's also visible what you're doing if you change your strategy, right? Because if all you're doing is, 
I have, I've studied human rights and now I came here to show you what it is with a few games in between, it shows. And if you're doing directed learning uh, with different learning options, I think it also shows and it becomes easier to explain. I don't know if, if you feel like that. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's very good you say that, Anita, because uh, maybe in the talk, uh, I forgot a little bit to mention all, all the methods, like you said, like mentoring, like support groups, like, and I think that that is, uh, it's not just self-directed learning, you start a program and then people go their own way. Yeah, they go their own way, but they go together. So you have to support people in going together. You have to, you have to mentor people. You have to, um, so it, 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 you need, you still need to give shape to this whole facilitation. Uh, yeah. and, and there are very different ways for that, and uh, and I think that's very important that that uh, that, that that is there. Uh, so it, it it it's not just an empty program. Really. It, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit more than that. But it it's offering a program in a way where people can choose. When I heard that, I sort of give them the power to choose, but explain the responsibility also. Yeah, it so sounds I, like and right now. <laughs> no, no, but I think it's it's so important to talk to, to talk. That's why I said talk first about learning and what does that mean? Who has responsibility and what does it mean to take your own responsibility for your learning? And what does it mean if you say um, I want to learn in my way? What is my way of learning? And and is that can I also have other ways of learning? Um, uh, and well, yeah, it, it, learning should be in the center. And I think what, what is noticeable, at least from my experience, is that, you know, after you implement these processes, in the beginning, there is discomfort. People are not used to it because, again, in school, that's not how it's happening. In youth work, sometimes it's also not what is happening. And European programs, sometimes it's not what is happening. We are kind of, we have this culture that somehow mimics school. You know, we have a program with a morning session and da, 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 and then an afternoon session and we sit in circles and we talk a lot. So in a way, I think sometimes it mimics a little bit uh, school, let's say, in a more flexible yeah. way, but sometimes more it's funny. Yeah, a bit more funny. Um, but once you um, kind of go through that process with participants that, you know, that they understand that they have a choice, but they take agency actually of their learning. Uh, what I feel in, in thought is that if, if uh, or in other trainings, if on the last day you say like, well, now we have an input on this topic, everybody's like, what? What do you mean you have an input for everyone on this topic? Uh, can we discuss this, please? So people actually feel more empowered to, uh, to actually be critical about how they are being suggested to learn things. And I think that's yeah. a big all right, we are close to the end. And before we let you go, Paul, um, we have a question from our previous guest. Yeah. Uh, Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Getting nervous now. <laughs> get ready, get ready. The question is, which personal experience did you have as a teenager that taught you some real valuable lessons, the type of lessons that you would like to share with youth today? A very difficult question because it's a long, long, long time ago, and um, um, I was I was growing up in a, in, in a very little village um, in in um, in the Netherlands, uh, um, a very religious village, and we were the only ones who were the, the, almost the only family who didn't go to church, 
I think, but I don't think it's one thing. It, it, what I learned a lot uh, was how to how to cope with being in an environment which was so different from how I was, and how, also how my family was thinking about uh, things. Um, to um, to go from from as a teenager from fighting that from being very much against everything and being very angry um, to at a certain moment and I think we went through that as a family because my father was a very uh, left wing politician and was also very active in that but more on national level. And in the village, uh, he was only uh, writing in the local paper terrible stuff about <laughs> for those people. And at a certain moment, and I, I think I learned it also from him, him he, he changed position and started to talk with people and started to respect very much their, uh, their, their way of thinking and try to understand that. And that helped me also a lot in how I was then... Because we were, as my group of friends were a few which were different from all the other ones. And um, um, we had even times that, that we were beaten up by them also because we had long hair. And it was at that time not done in that village. But if I look back now, in, in the last years I was living in that village, when I was 15, 16, I started more and more to talk to those young people. And now I've still even friends from that time who come from that um, very different um, different background. So yeah, I think that was that, that that helped me a lot to understand um, that people are different, but that doesn't make them immediately stupid or or bad or whatever. Tolerance. And yeah. openness, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it wasn't that hard. I think you told a, a beautiful picture. But we need to ask you, uh, as a revenge, you can leave a question for the next guest. What would be the question yeah. you think uh, it would be interesting for the next guest to answer? It's, all, it's also, also a very difficult question, I think. But uh, <laughs> I think since this podcast is a, a lot about innovation uh, in use work, I think I'm, I'm allowed to ask, uh, that question and there's a problem with it because one answer is not allowed um, it's a very strange thing uh, my question is what do you think is an important new step uh, an innovation for use work <clears throat> but then digitalization is not allowed because that's the obvious answer that everybody could give. But what 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 next step should use work take at the moment in where we are now? Fantastic. I, I, yeah. I think it's a difficult question, but uh, still, I'm I think it's an important one. Trend here of people putting questions and then saying, "But not this and not that." And <laughs> <laughs> it's this kind of thing that challenges to find a not common or obvious answer and your brain starts all the wheels spinning yeah, yeah. that's learning <laughs> exactly <laughs> right here. 
<laughs> and it was a very good to circle it up. All right. Um, thank you so much, Paul. It's always great to hear your passion about this topic and uh, the ways you see this. And I, I do think they are quite innovative um, for, for many of us who are still grew up in this uh, culture of, uh, um, you know, in the stereotypes sometimes, you know, let's play games. Let's do this. Let's be funny. Let's do school, but in a funny way. Um, so, so thank way. It's clown school. It's a, <laughs> thanks for challenging, oh, challenging us. So uh, thank you very much. I hope the rain has stopped where you are. It was raining when we started. Is it still? The sun is shining. The sun is shining now, so it stopped raining. Yes, I'm going out. Yes. No, thank you for, for, for having me as a guest. It was a great honor. Very nice uh, talk. Thank you. Thank you, Rui, as well. Bye. And see you next episode. Bye-bye. Ciao. This podcast was brought to you by Team Maish, recorded and edited by Rui Branco for the international project EduLabs, financed by the Erasmus Plus program. Our great partners for this project are the associations ANEV from the Czech Republic, Youthwatch from Slovakia, and of course HOMAC, the University of Applied Sciences from Finland.